This episode of Turns Out I'm Into It is brought to you by the Harley Rabbit Audio Playhouse, a virtual club specialising in kink and BDSM audio fantasies. These aren't audiobooks, they're immersive audio experiences that put you in the story, allowing you to explore your deepest, darkest fantasies, all within the privacy of your own headphones. Specialising in CNC and other forms of sexual power play, these stories are not for the faint-hearted. But if you're curious, then follow the Harley Rabbit to harleyrabbit.com. Right now, we're offering listeners of this podcast a 25% discount on a fantasy of your choice. Use the code INTOIT23 at the checkout and see where the rabbit hole takes you. Turns out I'm into it. Into it. Hello there, friends, and welcome to the next episode of Turns Out I'm Into It, the show all about helping you discover your kinky self and live your best sex life. My name is Harley Rabbit, and in today's episode, we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into the fascinating world of kink and BDSM, discussing why these activities can help us to manage stress, anxiety, and bring us closer together with our partners. Contrary to how it might look on the outside, kink is so much more than just whips and chains. It's an experience that can affect us at the deepest levels of our mind and bodies. Certain kink and BDSM activities like rope play and impact play can even alter our brain chemistry and consciousness. So if this has piqued your interest, dear Alice, please join me down the rabbit hole once again in this week's episode. Back in our first episode, I mentioned how, for me personally, kink has had a lot of positive impacts on my mental health. Because it's so immersive, it's a great form of escapism for me that helps me to get out of my own head. And I'm sure a lot of you listening can relate to that. But there's also a lot more going on than just escapism. And I want to explore this in detail today. The other day, I was looking into getting a weighted blanket I've been really curious about getting one of these for a while now um, because I'm someone who really enjoys that feeling of being restricted. I find it quite calming. Um, I thought a weighted blanket might be really helpful for me when I'm experiencing some anxiety. While I was researching weighted blankets, I came across an article explaining how they work. Um, And apparently by applying weight and pressure to the skin and the underlying tissue, this can activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest system. And this helps us to feel calm. It lowers our blood pressure and releases serotonin and dopamine in the brain, which of course are our feel good hormones. This is also the exact same reaction that happens when we get a big hug from someone, um, which I thought was really sweet. The fancy term for this is DTPS or deep touch pressure stimulation. Um, And I'll add that to the show notes for this episode if you want to do some more of your own research, because it's really interesting. Thinking about the way weighted blankets work. Um, I don't think it is too much of a leap to assume that this is probably what's going on when we are tied up in ropes. So similar to a weighted blanket, obviously the ropes are applying a lot of pressure to our skin and the underlying tissue there. So I'm a rope bunny. Um, I absolutely love the feeling of being tied up. It's one of my favorite kink activities. I love the feeling of having the ropes around me, um, feeling really tight and restricting my body. 
before I'd ever tried ropes myself, I was pretty confident that I would enjoy them. Um, but I assumed that would be purely in a sexual way. So being a submissive, I really loved the idea of how it would make me feel really vulnerable and powerless and really add to that um, power play dynamic. And I was absolutely right about that. It, there is definitely a huge sex sexual component um, of rope play for me. But what surprised me was when I started playing with ropes and experimenting with them, I found they also had this really deeply calming effect on me, which I wasn't expecting. We don't usually associate the feeling of being vulnerable with feeling calm, right? So what is going on here? Now, it's important to note here that ropes aren't always immediately calming for me. Sometimes they are. Um, sometimes I'll go to the point where I will notice that I'm feeling really stressed and I'll ask Slade to, um, outside of a, a sexy context, I'll, I'll ask him to just do a quick tie on me so I can sit and watch TV and just have my wrists tied or a chest harness or something like that. And I find that that helps me to relax and feel calm. Um, but other times, often when it's a, a bigger, more elaborate tie that takes a little bit more time, um, it, it feels quite the opposite. I sometimes feel a bit stressed and a bit anxious about that feeling so restricted. Um, and sometimes ropes can be quite tight. Sometimes they hurt a little bit. It's a bit uncomfortable and I can find myself having thoughts about whether I'm, maybe I'm not up for this tonight or maybe I'm a bit out of practice. Um, but almost every time within about 10 minutes, I've relaxed into them and I feel really, really comfortable in the ropes and we can have a bunch of fun times in those ropes and, you know, play for an extended amount of time. And even afterwards, I still want to stay in the ropes for, you know, another half an hour or something just because I find them so calming to be in. I'm sure if there's any rope bunnies out there listening to this right now, you can totally relate, right? So it's interesting to hear that there's a, uh, a physical reason, even a name for the body's response to being um, tied up in that way, that it can have this uh, neurotransmitter response in the brain, that it's, it's releasing serotonin and releasing uh, dopamine, making us feel really calm. But there's also psychological reasons that ropes can be quite calming. Uh, the first one is that for me, I'm a warrior. I'm an overthinker. I find it really hard to switch off. And I find when I have ropes around me and I'm tied up and I literally can't do anything about anything, I can finally let go of it. Suddenly it's not my responsibility anymore. Now, I mentioned this feeling of vulnerability and the flip side of that is that um, depending on the scene, obviously, but if it's a nice chill rope session, I really feel like Slade or whoever the rigger is um, that you're working with, they are taking care of you. Your job is to just be in the ropes. That's all you have to do. And that's really freeing, even to the degree of being able to receive affection. So if you're someone who struggles to receive affection, this might be helpful for you. So for me, again, when I'm finding it really hard to switch off, I can worry about if I'm reciprocating enough or if I'm doing the right thing that my partner is going to be enjoying. But when I'm tied up, 
again, I can't do anything. All I can do is receive that affection. And that allows me to really relax and focus on the sensation and focus on myself. So does that make sense? Hopefully I'm painting a bit of a picture here as to why ropes can be really enjoyable, not just in a sexual way, but actually in a calming psychological way too. So that was a pretty big chat about ropes and how they can be a great tool to help us get to our happy place. But the next thing I want to talk about is pain. And this sounds really counterintuitive. If you're someone who doesn't enjoy pain yourself, I can imagine it would be really hard to understand how anyone could get pleasure out of it. Pain is by definition a highly unpleasant sensation. So how is it that some people enjoy being whipped and flogged and even caned to the point of leaving bruises and sometimes even wounds? This area of BDSM is known as impact play. So it's the idea of being hit with an implement, whether that be a hand or uh, a flogger or a cane or something like that. I am someone who really enjoys impact play, um, but looking at what other subs are able to take, I know that I am definitely in the shallow end of the pool. Um, But I have surprised myself with this. I remember when Slade and I had our first date and we were talking about starting up this kink relationship with each other. And one of the things I said was that I'm not into pain. I am a total chicken when it comes to pain in my day-to-day life. And I definitely didn't think that this was something that I would be able to enjoy. But as our kink exploration progressed, we started like most people do with some light spanking and oh, that felt all right. Maybe you can go a bit harder. Um, And that progressed to using some implements and building up to um, some more intense scenes of impact play. What first struck me as really interesting about this was in that moment where you're, you know, bent over the bed or you're tied up or whatever position that you're in while someone is flogging you, there's this intense anticipation, this feeling of anxiety and fear. For someone who struggles with anxiety so much in their day-to-day life, it was really interesting for me to be able to play with these emotions and experience anxiety in a context that was actually really fun, really controlled and really safe. And that has enabled me to be less afraid of those feelings because I know how much I can handle now. So that's the first thing. The next thing is when you're actually being hit with something and it fucking hurts. Ideally, if you're working with a top, someone who's flogging you, they will know to warm you up first. So they don't go too hard too quick. They might start with something softer, um, like some light spanks or um, a flogger or something like that to build you up. They're not going to go straight for a cane straight away because that will be uh, that will be excruciating. I'm sure there's people that can do this and are way more hardcore than me. But for me, if you went straight to a cane, I would be calling my safe word immediately. So a typical experience for me is usually there's this period when we start um, where it can feel like a lot. And I'm starting to question, similar to the ropes, I'm starting to question, oh, am I really up for this? 
I start feeling quite anxious and nervous about how much I can take. And after a little while, I start to relax into it. And I kind of hit this barrier where the pain starts to feel good. It still hurts, but if I'm in the right headspace, it is amazing how much I can take. And what's really happening here is when you experience pain, you your brain releases endorphins. And these endorphins can produce this feeling of euphoria and pleasure. It's the same thing that happens in or can happen in periods of intense exercise. They call it a runner's high. That's not something I've personally experienced. I hate exercise, (laughs) but apparently it's the same mechanism. The interesting thing about endorphins is they not only produce these feelings of um, euphoria, but they actually bind to the receptors in your brain and actually block pain signals. So as I understand it, the reason why you can start to take a lot more pain is because you've built up those endorphins in your system and suddenly it doesn't hurt nearly as much anymore and you can take a lot more. And then you get more and more endorphins and you get what can only be described as high. It's a natural high that your body is giving you. And that's why impact play can be so much fun. This natural high that I'm talking about here is sometimes called being floaty or being in subspace. So I've got a really good definition of subspace that I will read to you now. It says, subspace is a state of altered consciousness that some individuals may experience during BDSM activities. It's often described as a deep, euphoric and meditative state that can be achieved through intense physical and psychological stimulation, such as pain, restraint and domination. So there you go. Kink can literally get you high. And that is why so many people are into pain. If you are curious about pain and you want to experiment with this, my advice is to start slowly. There is no rush with this stuff. You don't want to go too hard and give yourself a bad experience. I also don't advise aiming to get into a state of subspace each time either. This, for me at least, is something that doesn't happen every time I play this way. It's more like a special treat when it does happen. I find that my pain limits can vary a lot depending on what headspace I'm in. So some days I can take a lot and other days I have to nope out pretty much straight away. The time when I was able to take the most punishment was actually at a party and there was a lot of people standing around watching me, which was totally working for me. As I mentioned, I think in a previous episode, I am definitely a bit of an exhibitionist and I was in such a happy place that it was barely hurting at all. I kept wanting the guy who was topping me to keep going harder because it didn't feel like he was going that hard. But luckily he was fairly experienced and was able to tell I was super floaty and he made the call to stop it when he felt was the right time. It wasn't until the next day when I looked in the mirror and could see how black those bruises were that I realized how hard he must have been flogging me. So I'm glad that he made the call to stop when he did. This brings me to an important point about subspace. Um, When you're in this state, just like when you're drunk or 
if you're high from any other substance, natural or otherwise, you're not in any state to be making decisions, um, particularly around consent um, and limits and boundaries. So your limits and boundaries really need to be discussed um, with your partner before you get all floaty. That's a really important thing for doms to know as well. If your sub is getting all floaty, then that is probably not the time to try and push limits and boundaries. If you know your sub's limits and boundaries, that's cool, but don't try and push things too far um, when they're not in their normal state of mind. The other point that I wanted to make um, before I wrap up this episode is that with the highs, there are sometimes lows as well. So often subs might experience uh, what's called sub drop, which is when uh, a couple of hours later or even days later after a um, intense BDSM experience like this, your brain actually gets depleted of all of those good neurotransmitters and you start to feel really low and honestly, sometimes really shitty. This may or may not happen. Um, Everybody's experience is different. It's just good to be aware that this can happen. And if it does happen to you, just know that it's normal and it will pass. Something that can really help with managing sub drop is having really good aftercare. And aftercare is one of the most critical aspects of any kind of BDSM play, particularly when you're playing with stuff that's literally altering your brain chemistry. So the more intense activities like ropes and impact play, aftercare is essential. Basically, all aftercare is is taking care of yourself and your partner after the scene has ended. For most people, this will be having lots of cuddles and uh, for doms to offer a lot of reassurance to their sub to help them calm down. Because often following a scene, they'll be feeling really vulnerable and really worked up. And there is this period of transition where they need to go from being in this very subby headspace um, back to a more normal, calm state of mind. And that can take a little bit of time. For me, this is absolutely critical. Um, And I think it is for most people. I absolutely love playing really rough and I cannot imagine how traumatizing it would be if I didn't have the aftercare afterwards. And this is a really important thing for doms as well, particularly if you've just been playing rough. Um, Slade has said to me that the aftercare is part of what helps him remind himself that he's a good human and not a monster like he's just been role playing he's actually a a very caring, loving human being and he loves me very much. And this aftercare is part of what helps us both reconnect with that. Does that make sense? Um, Also important to note, aftercare can look very different for different people. Some people are not up for cuddles. Sometimes that's too much. Um, They might need a little bit of space following a scene and that's okay too. Um, some people might just like a reassuring touch on the shoulder or something like that. Some people like a, to have a cold drink or I have a friend who likes gummy bears. Um, it's really different to each person. If you're new to this, you might need to take a bit of time working out what works for you and communicating that with your partner. So making sure that they understand what your needs are in that moment and be honest 
if we want to play safely and make sure this is a positive experience for everyone, then you need to make sure you're getting what you need. I'm sure I will talk about aftercare in much more detail at a later episode, but hopefully that gives you a bit of an idea for now. Um, I think I might wrap things up here. I've been chatting for long enough. If you've got any questions or feedback for me or stories you'd like to share, please always reach out to me. I, as I've said before, I really want to make this podcast as interactive as possible. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode and it's helped you understand a little bit more about yourself and your kink journey. Till next time, have fun, play safe, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Turns out I'm into it. Into it. Into it. Into it. Into it. Into it. Thanks for listening to Turns Out I'm Into It. If you have any questions or stories you'd like to share, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me on FetLife, Instagram, or through the Harley Rabbit website. My name on Fet is Harley Rabbit, or one word. On Instagram, it's at hi.harleyrabbit. Or you can message me direct through the website. Go to harleyrabbit.com forward slash podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening and I will be back soon with another episode exploring the wonderful world of kink.